So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. Um, Matt, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's uh, doing well during this different time right now, and uh, hope you everyone enjoyed the last episode. Yes, it was a good uh, little variety pack there, combo platter episode. Covered a lot, but... Uh, still concise in its own right so now for episode 43 of easy conversations we do have a more concentrated topic of discussion which will be going over the spy character um genre i guess a bunch of franchises such as james bond jason bourne john wick etc so yeah spy movies and secret agents special agents whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. Um, before we get into that though, I just want to make a little comment on the last episode, Matt, where we talked about reading and, uh, American okay. gods in particular is what I want to highlight here. So I haven't made okay. much progress at all since last time. So we recorded like three weeks ago, I want to say, and, um, it's just been a grind again to get through. And I was talking <laughs> to one of my friends at work who's actually read the book and she said, it's actually a gem of a quote. Life is too short to read books you don't like. Ditch it. I was like, yep, good call. I'm not finishing it. Just want to throw that out there. That words of wisdom, because exactly why waste? Reading is even more of a waste of time because it's going to take hours and hours. Yeah, well said. I, that's what I did. I put it down and I said, I'm not reading it. I'm reading something else. Yeah, no, you had the right idea. It took me too long to realize that. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it was for the best. Now I got that great quote uh, thrown at me today actually and that's what made me want to say it on the pod there so life's short live it up enjoy Mm -hmm. every minute of it so yeah yeah done with american gods done so it's kind of sad though like i've put in almost 500 pages into this book but um oh wow and that's the thing like it didn't really get better and i still don't have a clear idea of what's going on so i definitely don't recommend this book if that hasn't been clear by now but um, yeah, <laughs> I was hoping I'd get a good TV series out of it too because Amazon mm. Prime picked it up, right. and I think they're going on their With third Ian McShane, season yeah. somehow. Yeah. So no, like books are weird. Like unlike a movie, I might only waste an hour and a half watching a bad one, but a book is like it's a huge commitment. You know, it could be like an eight, ten hour thing. So easily and i've for sure put in more than eight or ten hours into this book okay but yeah um, not worth it we don't need to put in that much time talking about it on the pod so uh, that's my little spiel before we get into the we're gonna start off with the bond movies perfect so i actually just watched specter i finished it today i watched in like three uh short sittings because of other um things going on there so which may have affected my viewing experience of it but I thought it was a solid or maybe movie not. out of the Daniel Craig um, Bond movies. I, I'd rank it as my third favorite, Quantum being the least favorite. And then it, it's a toss-up between Casino and um, Skyfall for me. But maybe we can talk about Spectre to start. Matt, um, what are your thoughts on the movie Spectre? So, me, it's weird. The last three James Bond movies I've only seen in the theater once and that's it so the last time I saw was at the theater well the only time and I I remember the opening scene probably being my favorite part I, I don't I was very lukewarm on the movie I don't remember it blowing me away but obviously I need a rewatch 
I I like Casino and Skyfall as my two favorite Daniel Craig ones too. So, uh, no, I thought Spectre was very forgettable, and they tried to tie in all the other three previous movies, which is is it a bit like redconning the other movies and trying to fit them all into a puzzle? I don't know, but uh, no, very mediocre. So that's the those are my thoughts on it exactly. Is that um, Christoph Waltz's character, who's the, one of the most famous. James Bond villains in the franchise, uh, Ernest Blofeld, Blofeld. and um, I kind of thought it was like uh, it reminded me of a Darth Sidious in (laughs) Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, where it's like it was I all along behind everything. Like name drops every single villain we've seen in the previous movies. And he was the the puppet master behind the scenes. And he was kind of an underwhelming villain, in my opinion, where compared to Le Chiffre and Raul Silva, so Skyfall and Casino's villains, who were fantastic. And his was kind of just like a, okay, so this is the, the big bad behind the scenes and doesn't really do anything that memorable. Like you don't get a an iconic torture scene if that's what you want to see out of a Bond villain, I don't know, but like Le Chiffre has his, like that's a, a scene no one's forgetting. And then yeah. uh, Raul Silva is just, I think, a very iconic villain who is always in control. Even when he's captured, you know that it's because it's on his own terms that he got captured and it was part of his plan to get caught. Whereas like uh, Blowfield, I don't know, even when they blow up the facility there uh, near the the climax of the film you kind of know he's mm-hmm. not dead and um, mm-hmm. I don't know I was just kind of disappointed with it. an actor of his caliber as well kind of unconvincing as a big bad in my opinion yeah that, that's the writing the writer's fault I'm I'm in my opinion and the James Bond franchise and it's a hell of a franchise it's like on its 24th movie or 25th I believe anyways the villains are super memorable throughout the movies and I can talk about them in a little bit but that's what makes like some of those movies live off the strength of the villain and and how awesome the villain is because we all know the main character and what he's going to do we all know Bond how he acts but the villain make makes or breaks the movie in my opinion actually like um do you've seen the speaking of the first James Bond Sean Connery Eric like you've seen a couple of them I believe right so I've seen like Goldfinger? Goldfinger with Sean Connery and Goldeneye okay. with Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. So Excellent. those are the only those are two, two of my favorites. pre-Daniel Craig movies I've seen. Okay. Well, you definitely hit upon like some two of the highlights in my opinion. And those two have great villains. I mean, Sean Bean and Goldeneye. I go, uh, I'm just going to break the... Like, Goldeneye is my favorite James Bond movie, actually. Okay. Like number one because I saw I've seen it I've watched it as a kid like a hundred times on VHS, and I just love that movie. So you got Sean Bean there, uh, and then Goldfinger has well Gold like the title title villain. It's the title of the movie. So no, but um, so Casino is the first James Bond movie you've watched, probably correct? Yes. Okay, so Casino Royale. Like speaking of the Daniel Craig ones. Casino Royale pretty much like took James Bond, which was on movie life support and, and like it was going to die in the shadows and pretty much like gave it a jolt of energy and re like resuscitated the franchise because that movie that's like 
easily top five best James Bond movies, Casino Royale. I remember going to the theater on like one of the opening nights. A friend invited me. I had no interest, but I'm like, I'll go see it for free. And it blew us all away. The whole theater like was silent and just enjoying every minute of it. And like that was my first experience with like how realizing how awesome the James Bond's movies could be. And then how do you follow up Casino Royale? I mean, that's a tall order. So, And I think we can agree that Quantum of Solace did not follow it up with success. Mm -mm. I mean, that's a movie that I've seen twice now. And the first time yeah. was in theaters. I was extremely uh -huh. disappointed. And then I rewatched like a, a few months ago now. And still, I think I, I maybe enjoyed it a little more than I did the first time where I was hypercritical of it coming off how much I loved Casino Royale was still critical mm -hmm. of it this time, but kind of more of an open mind and trying to follow the storyline that I know that it sets up for future movies, such as Spectre, like you said, that it ties everything together. So I was, I think I was really confused when I saw Quantum of Solace, to be honest, the first time, like a lot was going over my head and all the little um, organization name drops that were happening. I wasn't really yeah. picking up on. And even now, like, you really do have to focus and pay attention on names watching all these Bond movies there. And it is good yep. to watch them in succession for um, the Daniel mm -hmm. Craig ones, especially because it is one storyline that follows from one movie to the next. Like, you can watch them as standalone movies, but it helps if you start a casino and then go all the way through Spectre and then to No Time to Die, which comes out in November. Super excited for. Me too. Very well said, actually, about the, like, following the story through all the Daniel Craig movies. I just quickly want to mention Jeffrey Wright because we have to mention him every episode. <laughs> He's great in Casino and Quantum of Solace. Had him That's all I remember from... Yeah. yeah. Always a terrific... Uh, but Quantum of Solace, I can't even tell you what happens in that movie. Like, even though I've only seen it once, I don't remember anything. And um, But I want to just bring it back to, like, how I got into the Bond movies. When I started collecting movies, like when I was 15, 16, I'm like, well, I, eventually I'm going to have to watch every James Bond movie just so I can say that I have done it. So I, I bought like these four, the box sets. It, basically, it's all the movies in four box sets. So I bought them all and started with the first one, which is from 1962 with Sean Connery. So then I watched all the Sean Connery ones. And they're, they're really a product of their time, like, they were made during the Cold War. It's really like pro-America versus Russia or any like Cold War country, like uh, the uh, communist country. And it's very dated. Like it's not almost unwatchable now, but it's very, every technique from the time, you know, less on the action, more on the story, but not necessarily moving at a fast pace, very glacial pace. Um, I mean, was that your impression when you watched Goldfinger? A hundred percent. And actually, yeah, Andy okay. has, I think, probably the same box set that you have. It goes up mm -hmm. until Skyfall, the one she has. So that's how we watched. Like, she's seen all the movies. Okay. And she loves James Bond. Goldfinger, mm -hmm. I thought, was very slow. And like you said, like, glacial pace, what a way to put it. It yep. does move at an yep. extremely slow pace. But I kind of do like that the emphasis is on the story. And I, I still found it somewhat enjoyable. But yeah, the action sequences were just very... Mm -hmm cringe i want to say and i was a fan they, of the odd you know job yeah. character actually with the top mm -hmm. hat of death it was um yeah solid and iconic villain but yeah i definitely compared to golden eye especially um the quality it's like um 
testament of the times basically of just back in the 60s and and that's and that's what these movies are time capsules and then like moving on up to the 70s you they cast or i'm not going to talk about the george lazenby standalone movie but um the next big bond guy was roger moore who did the most james bond movies actually and they decided to completely like change the character and make him more comedic roger moore is the out of any james bond he's the more lighthearted comedic one and those movies now come off as cheesy because of it so i watch those i enjoy them actually because they're kind of goofy nothing nothing bad is going to happen to roger moore as james bond you know he's not going to get tortured a la casino royale or anything so they're just more lighthearted movies some of them are completely ridiculous like moonraker where he's in space for half the movie and there's like a space battle that looks like a scene out of star wars completely ridiculous but it's got some enjoyable like live and let die man with the golden gun uh the spy who loved me those are all good like those are the ones i like with roger moore but they're really cheesy and light-hearted movies so i don't know like if you'd watch them eric i think you would find them a little too silly and like they're not serious movies yeah I'd, i don't know if i'd watch all of them there maybe just go to the ones that are more critically revered and mm-hmm. are iconic and then they decide. And then right after Roger Moore, they um, they hired Timothy Dalton, who did two James Bond movies. And if you watch those movies, which were from the the late '80s, they're completely different in tone. They're way more violent, serious. Timothy Dalton as James Bond, not really like Mister Jokey or funny. He's just like very serious guy. And he the, his movies are The Living Daylights and Tomorrow Never. No, um, License to Kill. And they're fun movies, you know, no nonsense, good cheese, but again, very dated because they're made in the 80s. So, I mean, I recommend, I actually recommend those ones more than the Roger Moore, to be honest, if you're going to like watch random ones one day. But one of my favorite Bonds after, like after Daniel Craig, Pierce Brosnan is my favorite and he has the perfect blend, in my opinion, of comedy and seriousness. And that's why I like golden eye tomorrow never dies world is not enough and die another day like i like those ones a little more because those are the ones i grew up with and they're cheesy but they're also like really good action set pieces and that's what like i'm a big fan of those like in golden eye the scene with the tank or all the airplane scenes or helicopter awesome. what do you think of golden eye i mean i loved yeah. it and probably have to watch it again to be honest it's been a little bit since we watched it there but i thought it was really enjoyable i loved seeing sean bean like sean bean was a great villain i kind of had a feeling at the beginning of the movie that he didn't die and that he would because it was too quick like i i didn't mm-hmm. think that was it for him there and uh, like that was a good twist he came back as far as the whole plot goes i kind of some of it's lost on me now like i said i need to watch it again but definitely enjoyed it a lot and uh, like I said, I enjoyed it more than Goldfinger. Thought it was good action, and I like Pierce Brosnan as uh, as James Bond. No, yeah, I really like Pierce because he's he has like that the stigma of like oh nothing bad's gonna happen to him because you know he's always like sharply dressed. He doesn't get down and dirty like Daniel Craig's got cuts and bruises all over him. Pierce is like can do anything and come out unscathed. Uh, but that's what I like about like Goldeneye in those movies. And I like uh, Famke Jensen, who plays uh, Jean Grey in the X-Men movie. She's the Bond villain in right. uh, Goldeneye from that fa- phenomenal job. Um, 
No, but then the problem with the Pierce, uh, Brosnan, Brosnan Bond movies is they really, after the first two, the quality dips severely. Mm. And I'm talking about The World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day. Those movies are almost unwatchable now. Mm. Very bad CGI. Like, the action's not well done. Acting, like, Denise Richards is in one of them as the Bond girl, and she's horrible. Um, like very bad. And that's when, like you said, that the James Bond yeah. franchise was kind of on its last leg and like limping to the finish line. It didn't look like there was any light at the end of the tunnel. And then enter exactly. Daniel Craig and Casino Royale, which reinvigorated oh. the franchise. Yeah. And like, not, not just reinvigorated, like, let me like perspective wise, it was like one of the biggest momentums, like from die another day to Casino Royale, the, the, uh, the quality difference between those two is astronomical. Wow. Like it's you're going from the worst one, probably the one of the worst ones to arguably the best one. Yeah. Which like isn't that awesome? Like when does that ever happen? Um I'm just trying to think like of examples of like that happening if Marvel had a really bad movie and then the next one's like their best one. I don't think What was after Thor know. the Dark World? I'm trying to think. I was just thinking <laughs> just thinking that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's just my go-to worst. Like Iron Man Two is pretty bad as well. But anyways, that w- that would be a interesting topic of conversation as yeah. well. I'm sure it happens in other series as well. Like uh... no, of course, there's always going to be bad. It, th- here's the thing: there's over 24 movies for James Bond. Of course, there's going to be. A, there's a lot of bad ones, and bad is all like our opinion. Like I'm sure some people love all the Sean Connery ones the most because they're a little older and they grew up with them. Mm-hmm. And they best represent like what a spy is like, what being a spy is like. You know, uh, the Daniel Craig ones that we like the most—it's just a product of our time. Like that's how action scenes are, scenes are shot now, and that's how this stuff is done. And it, when we're gonna be in our sixties, Eric, are people gonna watch Casino Royale and say, "What is this garbage you guys were watching? This is not well done, not good action scenes." Like I, I really think about stuff like that. Actually, like will this will Casino Royale be dated in forty years? Like recency bias for sure is a huge factor when evaluating the quality of a movie and the action, especially within it. But I do think that the plot acting intrigue in Casino Royale is strong enough to still stand in, let's say you said when we're 60, so like in 30 some years, I I still Mm -hmm. think Casino will stand as a solid movie. How much better can the quality of film actually get if, especially if you're looking at just like the, grain or quality of how the picture is on screen for example from the 60s to the 2000s there's a huge difference and then Mm -hmm. obviously in the 2010s and 20s now it's getting very like crystal clear sharp quality or whatever there but Mm -hmm. as far as that's concerned that shouldn't be a make or break for the quality of a storyline in a movie and the acting and yeah like well, like we're going to talk about later, the action does get better as seen in other movies like John Wick and stuff. But I do think that Casino Royale still has some iconic just chase scenes that yeah, maybe would be simple if you're doing like parkour in space or something. But the scene in Madagascar at the beginning of the movie will still yeah. be an all-time chase scene. I mean, there's obviously different ways you can top that for sure. I'm not saying it's untoppable, but it's still an amazing chase scene. That's just one example from Casino Royale. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and and po the the poker game, which I love that yep. part. I mean, poker is poker; it's not going to change. Uh, Texas Hold'em, like. And you're right, and very well said, Eric. A good story is a good story. I can watch a movie from the '40s. Yeah, the action scenes will be a, look a little funny, but a good story is a good story. Good acting is good acting, and I mean, Casino Royale probably has. I'm not like that. My favorite villain, like Maz Mikkelsen as Le Chiffre. You can't top that, in my opinion. It's a toss. Um, it's a toss-up. It's a, a silver yeah. uh, Le Chiffre. But I've also yeah. I haven't seen enough of the movies to really have a like, oh. well-informed opinion i think no the daniel craig villains are better than the all the villains from the movies i mentioned like the roger moore sean carney they're all like a bit cartoony and you know they're the end of the world like they have a doomsday machine they want to end things they have their apocalyptic plan or whatever so so just uh, to bring it back actually, though, to, like, I'll, to I'll... ernest blawfield who um yeah christoph waltz played inspector he is a villain that wasn't that was featured in other in previous Bond movies, correct? Correct. I believe four other ones. So would he not be considered one gets, of the greatest villains in any of those other movies as well, or not as strong as he was intended to be even back then? In some of the movies, he's always played by a different actor. In some of the movies, he's great and he's he's like he makes that movie. Depend it depends who plays him though. Like uh He's in one of the Sean Connery ones, You Only Live Twice, uh, played by Donald Pleasance. And he's okay in that. Like, I like Donald Pleasance as an actor, but the movie's kind of hokey. But then in another movie, Honor, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, played by Telly Savalas, he's like, that's the highlight of the movie. He's a great Blofeld. So it's all about, it's all about who plays him, basically. And on a sad note, Diana Rigg played the Bond girl in Honor Majesty's Secret Service and she just passed away. She was in Game of Thrones as uh, the Queen Tyrell. Olena Tyrell. Uh, Olena Tyrell, yeah. That's the connection there. Crazy. She was quite good in that movie, yeah. yeah I remember seeing um, her in the, like, the box set we Andy has there. Like, I was like, damn, Diana Rigg. Yeah, she was quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah. big time. That's actually quite a sad Bond movie. Uh, it's a standalone Bond movie played by a one-off James Bond guy, George Lazenby, and it's actually it ends on a sad note. Actually, I don't, well, I'll just say it actually because it's it's so old. Like he marries the girl at the end, then she gets assassinated. That's how like the movie ends. Well, and like typically <laughs> the fate of a, a Bond girl, right? Yeah. yeah. Minus the marriage part, um, but mm -hmm. similarly, like, usually the same result for. Mm -hmm bond girls you hate to see it but so to, so to sum up basically blofeld is hit or miss you know okay, sometimes yeah. he's great sometimes he's not but he's one that comes back keeps coming back basically mm. so like and i remember sitting in the theater during specter and going like like i didn't see that twist coming that he was going to be that uh christoph waltz was going to be that character but i don't know i was like oh i kind of groaned actually because i was like oh they're going with this okay mm. Uh, and there weren't that many great action sequences involving him like there like i said earlier he blew up the facility where he was trapped in at first and uh, then he comes back in mi6's previous building that was rigged to blow bond escapes chases him in the helicopter on the speedboat 
pistol whips the helicopter, which is awesome. That was a great moment. I don't know if you remember that. Shoots down the no, helicopter with his pistol in a speedboat. And uh, wow. then the helicopter crashes. He finds Lawfield in this limping away out of the helicopter and then has the gun to his head and spares him in the end. I knew he wasn't going to kill him. Right. That was, that was kind of predictable, but... We just highlighted something I love about the James Bond movies. Like I'm a big fan of all the of the franchise, and I love like those action sequences that are. I like the unrealistic aspect of it. Sure. Like we're gonna talk about John Wick later. Like I love. I am a sucker for that stuff. Like I understand spy movies, in real life, it's not like that at all. But I like watching that on the big screen. Like, just good action. Like action set like action sequences that's why i like golden eye and all the pierce movies like even die another day which is horrible i still like laugh i still like watching it because it's so bad and cheesy but he does stuff that's like you would laugh if you saw it and the cgi is horrible like it's it's pretty funny though <laughs> i'll have to check it out you enjoy the cheese yeah it's like a cheese fest and then you enjoy watching it because it's so bad and that's the thing right like you don't pay 12.99 to see something you're gonna see in the street on a regular day, like you go to the theater to see over the top stuff that yeah. like an escape yeah. from reality, right? That's what cinema yeah, exactly. is at its core. So for sure, I love seeing that over the top and definitely John Wick is definitely over the top, but yeah. we'll, uh, we'll get there shortly. Yeah. Are there any, yeah, just Actually, quickly, well, before we like, I don't know if you had more thoughts on bond and talking about the next movie, no time to die. I haven't really seen that many trailers sure. for it. What are your thoughts on it? What are you expecting or hoping to see out of it? So after watching the trailer, I was pretty hyped because it looks like just like it looks like another really good solid James Bond movie. But that's what I thought when I saw this trailer for Spectre and Skyfall. So I'm a little I think this one's going to be better than the last one, but not 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 touching Casino Royale in terms of quality. Um, it's got the girl from Spectre, right? The same uh, yes. Bond girl. And um, Rami Malek, thing, I'm trying to f figure out his name, who played uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody. He plays the villain. I'm not the biggest fan of his, like, admittedly. I know that's a lot of people like him. So, but everything they showed in the, in the trailer, like, the, with the car, I'm a sucker for those car scenes with Bond. So, I'm really excited to watch it. Um does daniel craig though like you can tell it's probably going to be the last one because he's not he doesn't he looks like he's tired in the movie you know mm -hmm. like that's not he's got to go he's through just really again. no he's kind of sick yeah. of doing it yeah. even though he's said that he's loved the role and he's been extremely um thankful for the opportunity to play mm -hmm. such an iconic character he's it's physically draining for him and that's why he yeah. allegedly turned down 100 mil for two movies and apparently accepted 110 million just to do this movie. So I don't know. Whoa. Like that's wild. Of course you gotta accept that, and then like right out in the sunset, whether that be in life or death as the James Bond character. I hope he doesn't die in his. I, this is for sure his last movie, based on what you hear from him, and I think they've said he's done after this one. So I hope he doesn't yeah. die though. I hope they're he looking, actually does get to they're marry gonna the Bond girl. And she doesn't get a Me too. That's what I would like to see in this one. No, Jeffrey they Wright's won't the do that man. now. Oh, of course, Felix. Uh, <laughs> no, like, 
what bummed me, like, obviously the movie would have already been out and we'd be talking about it if it wasn't for COVID. But uh, I think it's building the, the, I think it's, there's more hype added to it now. Like, I know people aren't going to flock to the theater now, but if it, if it, when it does come out, like next uh, November, I think like people are going to be, ant- like, there's nothing in the theater right now. I think people are going to all flock to go see it, I think. I know I will. Yeah. Um, like, are you going to go to the theater? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, well, to see No Time to Die for sure. And I also yeah. want to go to the theater to see Tenets, which I haven't seen yet. I know you've oh. seen it there. If you want to give yeah. a quick sneak peek to the listeners and what your thoughts on it were. Sure, I'll keep it so brief because Tenet, I honestly can't even say anything about it because I'm not even sure what I've watched. I need to watch it a second time so I can formulate some thoughts on it because I honestly, halfway through the movie, I just... I, I got lost and I couldn't ke- I couldn't get back to the state of knowing what was going on. It wouldn't be fair if I said I liked it or I didn't like it. I literally need to watch it again. Because I kind of like, my mind wandered during a certain important scene and then I just lost everything. Okay. And I read, yeah, it's a really, really, Inception is like a kid's movie compared to Tenet. No joke. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. And some people will hate Tenet because of that. Some people will think it's the Nolan is a genius for creating such a smart story. I just need to rewatch it. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. Um, good rundown, it's Matt. Really, it, yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. give anything away because there's nothing to give away. Even yourself having seen her, kind of confused as to what you saw. So oh, I'm not extremely. surprised. That's what I've heard. Like um, Sean Avery was in the movie. Actually, did you recognize him? No, damn! I don't even know oh, what if his I had known ahead was. of time. So he went on a podcast, like Spin Chicklets podcast, to talk about yeah. it. And filming the film, he they act, the actors had no idea what they were filming. Uh, apparently, only like John David Washington and Robert Pattinson had kind of an idea of what was going on. But everyone else was completely lost filming the movie, and just so they literally couldn't talk about either and had to go see the movie to understand what they participated in creating. So that's pretty crazy, but yeah. Aves. Every positive review I've read of Tenet was someone saying, when you rewatch it, when I went to see it a second time, when I saw it again, this, or everyone who's praised it immensely watched it more than once. So like, is that something that's fair though to us? Like, should a movie, do, should we be forced to watch a movie twice to actually understand how brilliant it is? Like, Nolan's kind of playing a trick on us. Like, oh, none of you guys will get this right away. You need to watch my movie more than once, you peasants. Like, some people don't like that. It's yeah, like the highbrow, pretentious. You know. That's what you gotta love about the Bond movies. A one and done. You got it for the most part, anyways. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a money grab in the sense that you kind of need to go twice in theaters if you're really committed and enjoyed it the mm-hmm. first time, even though you, you're kind of lost and some things went over your head. You'll go see it again, already have an understanding of what's going to happen, and then you can really focus on key points where um, you may have missed something. But like I said, thankfully, that's not the case for Bond. It's some straightforward action. And most of these movies, like that's what we love about them, over-the-top action, intriguing plots relatively straightforward with still some complex plot points such as born if you want to segue into that trilogy or franchise yeah there's five movies i think um and what i like 
perfect transition actually because the first born movie born identity came out the same year die another day came out or the year after and if you watch die another day and born identity it's literally two completely different animals like you can see where the future is going for the secret agent genre and you can see where it died and it's 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 black and white it's hilarious born identity is like sharp story characters the editing is very frantic like not a lot of long shots it's it's go 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 very like intriguing and you're trying to figure out figuring out it like a puzzle and it's only giving you certain information uh the the fight scenes we do get are like complete like are going to send a new trend basically because casino royale like took a lot of stuff from the Bourne movies that's what i wanted to talk about a little after so that's not just what i'm going to start with like um did have, did you watch born identity as the first born movie you watched or is that was that your introduction no so the first born movie i saw was ultimatum in theaters actually so lost. Oh God! I had no idea what was. Yeah. I was like, kind of young. I, I mean, it was, I think it came out in two thousand six. So I would have been twelve, and um, mm-hmm. I, I might be a little off on when it came out, but I'm pretty sure it was two thousand six. Anyways, so having not seen the first two movies of the trilogy, all going in for the final movie of this um, long buildup of storyline and characters and what have you, I was completely lost. Like. Treadstone. This is Treadstone. No, no, now we're dealing with this operation, and oh, he killed this person, and just I had no idea what was going on. Still enjoyed it though. I thought it was a pretty solid movie, like some good action scenes in there. But then I went back mm-hmm. and watched Identity and Supremacy, and mm-hmm. fantastic movies. Mm-hmm. Huge fan of the Born trilogy. I haven't seen. I don't even know what the fourth one's called, and I know the the fifth one's is called Jason Born. Haven't seen those. But what I love about Identity, you made some great points about how it's like kind of a new way of presenting a um, spy or secret agent movie where there's so much that's happened in the past and we're kind of thrown in this moment in Born Identity where we're with this man who wants to understand who he is and he's constantly having to process information at an extremely fast pace where there are um, people trying to kill him and he's discovering that he has these secret abilities that he can speak different languages. He has these skills, doesn't understand how he has them. And at its core, I think it's just about, like it's kind of um, relevant to everyday life for all of us in a different way than it is in the movie there, but it's just trying to piece together who we are in a world in which fast-paced actions are happening and we're being reactive, trying to survive, minus the guns and hitmen trying to kill us. Very well said. Because that's literally what Jason's doing the entire, like, he's reacting to what he's, because he's being told stuff, like, on the go and learning more about himself, because he doesn't remember who he is in the first one, obviously, throughout the movies, too. So it's, yeah, very well said. I, I didn't even think of that, Eric, like, relating it to real life, minus the f- people trying to kill you. Maybe no, I for some I didn't people that, that also applies, but thankfully not for us. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, no, and that's one of the things I love the most about the Bourne movies is us learning as our main character is learning more about, like he's learning more about the story at the same time as we are. And I love movies like that. Like we're, we're that's the suspense basically. We're, we're, we're following the suspense of the main character. 
um but like the action scenes like those tight it's the fighting in close quarters that i remember a lot from the Bourne movies like in little like stalls or in the apartment the apartment fight scene i think in supremacy or ultimatum i just the way the sound editing is and like the punches it feels more loud and in your face and realistic and yeah. it's something I think that Casino Royale, that's how I feel when I'm watching those fight scenes too. I don't know, just the way it's shot, very I, like unique to me. And the way it's edited too. I think it's all in the editing for the Bourne movies. It's super quick. And yeah, it can make you a little dizzy and shaky, but I don't know. I kind of, I can follow it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I know some people have issues with it, but I like that style. Yeah, I agree. Definitely the fight scenes... Like he doesn't really use a gun, I want to say, in the the first two movies. I haven't seen these movies in a while. But the one scene that always sticks out to me is when he actually uses a pen as his primary weapon there. And then he stabs the guy in the hand. And then the guy pulls the pen out of his hand and they keep fighting there. Yeah. I want to say that's in Identity. Yeah, yeah the first yeah. one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'd definitely be due for a rewatch. And yeah, the fighting scenes are just like some great um, martial arts skills in display mm-hmm. and um i love the fact that he's basically just always on the run yet somehow with so many people following him and chasing him and wanting to kill him but he still manages to stay a step ahead of the competition his enemies right he's a super resourceful and smart guy and i love following characters like that that can think on the fly react and um make plans on the go and survive basically it's a a great trilogy different than james bond because he doesn't really have that many resources available to him because they're trying to basically erase him from the organization that he used to work for because he botched an assassination attempt and just back to what you said, I love that aspect of bouncing around from location to location. It's almost like an adventure movie or a road movie where you're going to all these European cities and locations. And I love that. Like it keeps it not, it's not as boring. You know, there might, there's a lot of dialogue in the movie, but there's all, they're always going somewhere. Especially I find like the first one, they're always like, he's getting the girl to drive him here. Now we need to go there. And then she starts helping him. It's a good like buddy adventure. She gets roped in, and oh, and then what happens at the beginning of the second one? Yeah, Carl Urban with, with uh, the Carl, Carl Urban. Oh, I was in the theater going, what the heck did you, they just do? Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Billy the Butcher. Yeah. Um, but you were we were talking about, okay, so the fourth one is Born Legacy, and the fifth one is called Jason Bourne. Yeah, very, very forgettable movies. They didn't look great. I don't even... I pretend they don't exist, and yeah. I just—it's a trilogy. Same yeah. here. It is a trilogy. Yeah, because um, yeah. Jeremy Renner, he—he—he he, he can only do so much in a movie. He's not carrying a movie on his shoulders like a Tom Cruise or Leo DiCaprio. So the movie just faltered because of the weak story, and the the Jason Bourne is better than Bourne Legacy. It's just—I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. Very forgettable. Yeah. Kind of yeah. just like a money grab, basically to to milk the cash cow for that for the fans of that franchise right and i don't yes. really understand why they'd want to bring a character like that back into the fold where i believe it, anyways don't need to spoil the end of ultimatum even though we've been spoiling some other movies there but anyways um don't see the didn't see the need for it when they announced that they're making a fifth james jason Bourne movie so 
Yeah. I hope they don't make a six. I don't know. Does he, if, does he die in the fifth one? I don't know. Don't really plan on finding out either. Like, I'm not going to watch it anytime soon. So, Great trilogy, though. Yeah. Definitely recommend. Yeah. One, two, three. And that's, but we just said the problem right there with Hollywood is a franchise will never end on a super high note because they're going to want to make more and make more money. That's true. Yeah. So that can Which actually kind of segue well yeah. into John Wick, actually, because that's okay. all I had prepared okay. for Perfect. Born. Like, I didn't watch them yeah. in, in anticipation of this pod. But I think we've said like good points already. And we've said plenty. Yeah. yeah. So for that's a perfect way to get into John Wick, where a um, film studio will never want to end on a high note. They'll just want to keep making movies until they crash and burn into the ground. Where I thought I was under the impression that John Wick was going to be a trilogy. Where now I've finally seen John Wick three. Great movie. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And. Um, it's clear that there's going to be, they've already said there's going to be a fourth and a fifth one that are going to be shot back to back, which I'm excited for. Now it's just Mm -hmm. cautious optimism in that they're, in my opinion, three for three so far. I'd say the second is my least favorite, but still enjoyable. Now they set themselves up well for an interesting fourth movie for sure. How how are they going to stretch this out into a fifth? I don't know. Like my ideas of, what could happen in a fourth and fifth would be that John is now going up against the high table that we haven't seen yet. Will he mm-hmm. take down or team up with Winston? I'm a huge Winston fan, Ian McShane, and I really yeah. wanted them to actually come together and work together in the third one. And then there's the adju- adjudicator, whatever her name is there. Um, yeah, that hate was that cool. that character, but solid villain. <sighs> Anyways, John Wick 3 was great. We could probably just go back to John Wick and start from one there. But what are your thoughts on the trilogy? Okay, so I agree that they're three for three. I loved all three of them. But my my introduction to John Wick is very strange because unlike most people, I did not see the first John Wick movie at the theater. I like that movie came and went for me. Everyone talked about it, but for some stupid reason, I refused to watch it. I was I was just not interested. I said, ah, whatever. And, but then people kept talking about it at work all the time. John Wick, John Wick. So I got mad and I said, fine, I'm going to watch it. And I watched the first one and I felt like an idiot after because I loved it. I thought, oh, this is the best thing ever in terms of like what an action movie should be. And like I thought it was I thought it was going to be overhyped. But to me, it was everything I wanted it to be. So luckily for the second and third, like I was prepared. I knew what to expect. But uh, no, I always regret not like listening to people and believing the hype of the John Wick, that first movie. Because uh, all I heard was all oh, like the action so over the top. It's it's nonstop. Like he never he never dies. He's, he's like a machine, this guy. And I'm like, oh, that sounds stupid. But what I love about John Wick the most, the number one thing is how the action action scenes are shot. And like, I want to say realism, like with a not like it's not i know it's not realistic but in terms of in the world it looks like you know like he's going for headshots every time he's he's trained to kill and i find like he's doing what he's doing the most the best way possible like he's super efficient i find him very efficient and i love that about him no nonsense his attitude is what i love just like killing machine and and yes, he does get hurt and, you know, he falls off ledges and he's like, he's limping and no, I love all that stuff. And yeah. Like, yeah, no, he's, he's a goddamn machine. He's a superhero. Yeah. Man. Like the man cannot exactly. die and I hope he doesn't. 
my introduction to John Wick, I feel like I've already said it on the pod, but it's like I saw it three years after the movie came out because I had no intention of seeing it. No one even recommended it to me. I just remember seeing trailers and thinking like this looks stupid, just like over the top, unrealistic action, which I know we've talked about that I enjoy, but maybe back then I, I wouldn't have enjoyed or whatever. But then I just threw it on on some Saturday morning. And I absolutely loved it and had to watch the second one. The second one wasn't out actually yet, and I didn't even go see it in theaters. But I saw it after. I haven't even seen the third one in theaters either. All on Amazon Prime, baby. And all great movies. And I love... The one thing I love the most about it is the the mythology of the world that he's a part of. Mm -hmm. It's like this secret underworld where there are so many rules in play. And especially in the first one... There's so many little things that are being said and hinted at that isn't explained at all about this world that um, there's so much room to flesh out. They could even do like three prequel John Wick movies. I could see that happening yep. down the road because where we're introduced yep. to John Wick in the first one is that he's a retired assassin. Is it even mentioned yep. where like what his creed is or he's a subject to the high table which we haven't even seen. It's like seen the organization. Yet. So yeah. there's a lot of room for um, new story developments and um, fleshing out the world that he's a part of. So like the currency they use, all of their coins, the blood pacts, the um, social contracts of neutral grounds having to be respected, like the continental hotels in which yeah. a lot of the action takes place. And by action, I mean not killing because those are sacred safe havens where you're actually not mm. supposed to kill in these hotels that are run by um, important figures in this underworld society. And Winston, who I mentioned earlier, played by Ian McShane, is the hotel owner of the New York Continental. So there's a lot that happens. Like eventually there is killing in the Continental and that... Um, sets the tone for um, John Wick losing his status as a part of that community. He's an excommunicado, as they say. Like just some of these words that they're coming up as for statuses for people is just really cool. Yeah, like a lot of Latin words too, yeah. like parabellum, the title of the third one. Yep. For, I forgot the expression uh, Winston says in the movie. Do you remember? No, I don't. I just watched it like the other uh, day and I don't remember. It's like a quote about war and peace, right? Yeah. It's like a great quote. Anyways. Um, and that's what I like about the third, the third one might be my favorite, that or the first one, but you get more of the mythology in the third one, like the adjudicator coming down and like super mysterious. And we're going to see more of her. Yep. Um, and I know I didn't, ca I've only seen the third one once. I know if I rewatch it, I'm going to pick up on more stuff. Um, but I was sitting in the theater during the third one going like during the shootout scene in, I don't know, Morocco with Holly, Halle Berry. I don't remember what country yeah, it's Yeah, it was in. a Casablanca. Is it Morocco? Yeah. So, okay. Like, I was like, this, this is not ending. This is amazing. What I'm watching scene. this brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Her um, stint in the movie was awesome. I loved her scenes with yeah. John and uh, the... I guess they don't kill Sir Braun of the Blackwater, also a great cameo in the movie, <laughs> but um, that was a great tense moment in there. As soon as yes. he started like petting the dog and that he kept making comments about the dog, I was like, ah, something bad's going to happen here and he's going to want the dog. But um, 
Yeah, that was a great action <laughs> sequence. That lasted like like you said, like at least fifteen minutes. Yeah. And it feels longer. When I was in the theater it felt longer. But that whole third movie from the beginning, like the night the scene in the with the knives, like when they um it's probably like a little museum thing and he like he breaks the case open and they're chucking knives at each other and yeah. the final showdown with all like the glass panels and like the office building or whatever. These John Wick movies remind me of like the over the top style that Asian action movies have where it's like crazy martial art. Like there's a lot of martial arts going on and and gunplay. Like we get a mix of everything, like Western action sequences and then like Asian, the Asian influence with the hand to hand combat, which I love any of those movies, like any Jackie Chan movie or Jet Li. Or I'm a huge sucker for those Kung Fu movies. And I feel like there's a touch of that in the John Wick movies. Um, and I like Keanu Reeves. Sometimes he's not the greatest in his movies, but he's perfect as John Wick. What do you think of him as the main character? So good. I mean, like I said, yeah. he's a man who reluctantly re-enters this world because of Theon Greyjoy. And now it just like, <laughs> oh, has no choice but to do the thing that he's the most skilled as, at, which is just killing. And unfortunately for him, he can't stop until all the ones who want to see him dead are dead. And then he can get his peace because for him at this point, there's no walking away into the sunlight, into the sunset, I should yeah. say. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a man of few words. He really yeah. just wanted to be left alone, retire and not have to do, not have to kill anymore. But yeah. I mean, that's what makes his character like the tortured soul who's um, yeah. who doesn't want to kill, but ends up having to. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's I think well, he's an awesome character. That's what I like about the whole dog. Like everyone joked, oh, the, he's doing this because they killed his dog. But it's what the dog represents. Like it's his wife yep. that's gone. And Theon, uh, the Theon Greyjoy's, um, Alfie Allen's character. Like I love that interaction when he has to tell his, I guess it's his uncle, right? The Russian yep. guy yeah, yeah. or it's his dad. It's his oh, and then his dad has to, ex- his uncle has to explain like, our our gang was built on the bones of our enemies that John Wick like because of John Wick yeah. that we're at we have all the power we have and he's like so pissed at him because all because of an interaction at a gas station right yeah, that like, he wants to buy his car from him. oh and then the actions at the end of the first one lead to the problems at the beginning of the second one and then the actions in the second one create the problems and then they, that picks up at the beginning of the third one which. Each movie kind of follows directly after. Yeah, big time. Which is amazing. Which I love. Yeah, yeah. it's great that there's no time yeah. that passes really in between these movies. And it, it looks like, exactly. actually, who knows, it might not be the same for the fourth one now because maybe John will need some time to regroup. I don't know, but I doubt it though. The man, like, in, stick an IV in him and he's good to go mm-hmm. <laughs> after falling they off. They said a it wouldn't be. Yeah, they said it wouldn't be right after. But, like, how awesome is that ending of the second one? And then the third one is, like, exact same scene. It's yeah. perfect. I love that. Because for us now, we just watch it back to back. Yeah. It sucks when you have to wait two years, but... And um, I think the next one is going to be out in 2022, eh? Two, yeah. It's, well, we don't need to explain why it's delayed. I think everyone should know yeah. why. But, no, mostly, like, from what I hear, like, I talk about the John Wick movies a lot to people. I bring them up and, like... I'd say 90% of 
a very favorable like people praise the movies but i know i know some people that aren't the biggest fans example my dad or and my uncle they just it's it's not for it's not for them they just they can't stand those movies uh have you like come across people that can stand those movies no or? other than the two you've just named i mean that's that's it pretty much they're very enjoyable movies you have to go into it just accepting the fact that you're going to witness some unrealistic action and hey if that's not your cup of tea then that's fair that you don't like them but we love that shit and uh, a thing I like a lot about like I, how I think John Wick kind of falls in between Bourne and Bond is that he has mm-hmm. all these resources available to him at first, but then when he becomes excommunicado, so is no longer welcome in the um, the hotel and a part of that world, he doesn't have those resources anymore. So all the guns, the the doctors, he only has like I think the doctor in the third one has like. 10 minutes or so to patch him up after he's been in a, the fight that you mentioned right. at the museum there. So he loses all his resources, kind of like a Jason Bourne does, and is on the run trying to fend off all the hitmen trying to kill him now because he broke mm-hmm. the unbreakable rules of the um, the society. So um, And then, yeah, he's like, he was a spy like James Bond. Not really a spy, they're a hitman, I guess. No, very. Well, I like the parallels to the other movies. John Wick to like compare them to Bond and Bourne is he's a much more violent and like I find Bourne and Bond would be more like less not cruel but like they're more uh, what's the word merciful yeah actually yes well that's exactly it like like John Wick doesn't have a moment's hesitation when he's shooting someone or knifing someone he's he's literally a machine and he's cold-hearted like when he's doing his job like he's He's the perfect. It's it's very unreal. No human is like that. I mean, I think, <laughs> but like just the efficient. He's so efficient, and I just love that about the movies. So it's he actually like, does have. Yeah. I am thinking of a couple of moments where he spares like Commons character in the second one, Cassian. Do you remember him? Right. Yeah, yeah. He does kill Common him. Movie, I don't yes. think. Like he incapacitates him. I think with the knife, like stabs him in the subway, but leaves him there. And I, I don't know. We don't know if he's dead or not. And Zero... That's right. The um, Well, the last guy John fights there in the third movie. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't kill him either. So there is still a semblance okay. of a code in John Wick. Okay. Like, he's well, still a protagonist, well said, yeah. right? He's not an anti-hero. Yeah. He's someone no. who's just great at killing and will kill without hesitation. Just your mm-hmm. regular henchman, he'll kill. No, no worries. But a respected... Uh, a formidable foe, he may uh, let uh, let him live to die another day. You're right. He has he has honor. He has, he has honor. honor. You're exactly. right. Oh yeah, for, Common's actually a, a decent actor. Actually, you just bring like pop that up in my head. Uh, I don't know. I have a hard time taking him seriously, to be honest. No, he's in that TV show Hell on Wheels. He's actually really good in it. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's just a random thought. Um, but no, I'm really looking forward to the fourth one. But what, what when we started talking about John Wick, you said like it's three for three. Is the drop off gonna happen? And eventually, yeah, it will happen with John Wick, sadly. And they're not gonna stop on a high. They're not gonna like do a mic drop and say we're going out with a bang. No, there's gonna be a John Wick movie that we're not gonna like, and that will kill it. And will that be the prequel? I don't know. It's gonna happen though. Can you see them going down the prequel path though? Because there is so much history there. 
that we yeah. really don't know what he did in the past. Only like whenever these blood oaths come up, it's like, oh, I helped you back yeah. then. They don't specify right, right. what they did to help each other. Just like I owe you or you owe me. So they could tell some of those stories, right. which we'd know the outcome of, but still be cool to see or like brand new stories. I don't know. Just, just throwing it out there. No. Okay. So my prediction is they're going to do a movie with Keanu Reeves that kind of doesn't make as much money as they wanted. And then to try to revitalize, they're going to do a John Wick prequel with a different actor, like a young John Wick. Mm. And they won't be able to cast Keanu. I was thinking John Bernthal, but he might be a little too old as well. <laughs> kind of a, a good different body type as well. Scene. Yeah, yeah. No, you need a more slender, yeah. Yeah. Uh, skinnier. Maybe Miles Teller. I, I was thinking know. the same thing. <laughs> That'd be a, a poor man's John Wick. There's no chance in hell yeah. like Miles Teller could not play John Wick. Not even nearly yeah. as cool as you don't Keanu think so? Reeves does. Okay. You know what? Cast Keanu Reeves as a young Keanu Reeves. Do it. <laughs> Just make him like clean shaven or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shorter hair or something. Maybe a little CGI in there. Or get a, a Justin Ooh. Long in there. <laughs> no way. Justin Kinda Long, Miles like Teller has a hundred. Yeah, but he can't. He yeah. Anyways, give him a chance. Uh, yeah. But I know John Wick. I am. I'm excited for the fourth one though. Like, and I forget if I mentioned it at the start of uh, talking about John Wick there, but I'm excited to see his alliance with the uh, the Bowery King or Bowery King, however you say his name, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, yeah. I Morpheus, think they're gonna be yeah. a strong tandem. Like they're both pissed off. That's evident at yeah. the end of the movie. Oh yeah. So I was I was happy to see that he wasn't dead. To be honest, I was sure he was dead. Me too. Well, he, cuts can only be so deep, right? Like on your face, yeah. <laughs> seven. He cuts. got slashed pretty bad, yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to see the the Matrix reun like Neo and Morpheus in yeah. the same movie again. I love that. Uh, no, but yeah, okay, it's unrealistic. But who this John Wick's the perfect example of? I want to go to the theater eat my popcorn with the ketchup flavoring and just turn off my brain. <laughs> I don't even like Tenet was way too like, I had to put down my popcorn and actually listen. Cause my crunching of my popcorn was making me miss dialogue. Yeah. And that, <laughs> like I had to listen. That can ruin a theater going experience. Like you just want to enjoy your movie. You don't have to think too much. And John Wick's yeah. the perfect recipe. Yeah. Just mix in some ketchup yeah. flavored popcorn and your money. Yeah. Like, you know, you had a long day at work. You don't want to think. You just, and you're a little tired, but then the John, like John Wick pops up and then it's loud and it kind of wakes you up and you're really into it. Like, that's what I want at the theater. So it's the perfect theater going movie. Loud, big action set pieces, mindless fun. And people that say it doesn't have a story. I disagree. Like there's some story in there. So. There's a hundred percent a story, and like we've already talked yeah. about, not to go over it again, again there, but just the whole world it's set in is so cool because mm -hmm. it is a fantasy movie in its sense, like or maybe there are societies like this in the underworlds of uh, suburban or I guess cities. I well, know. it would be like in the the like the super rich world, right? Of like high rollers and like people with extremely huge amounts of money, and like super rich organizations. Yeah. Who knows? It is scary thought. It's a scary thought, actually. But the mythology makes it different from like those millions of other movies that have like mindless action sequences too, right? It adds more 
there's more depth to the movie than we think. That's all I had for John Wick off the top there. We did get a few listener questions. The first one was from Andy. So if we bring it back to James Bond, who is the best James Bond? Matt, I'll throw it out to you. I know you kind of gave a few answers there, but who is your best James Bond? It's tough because it's like, who's the best or who's who's my favorite? Because I have... Yeah, okay, I mean, the be- who's the best James Bond, in my opinion? Daniel Craig. Uh, even though I have a lot of nostalgia for Pierce Brosnan, I'm going with Daniel Craig. Okay. Like, he does an, a, a fantastic job. Pierce Brosnan is her answer. Like, when she thinks of James oh. Bond, she thinks Pierce Brosnan. Like, that's who she watched mm-hmm. growing up, and, uh, like, mm-hmm. he represents the character of James Bond for her. Yeah. Me, it would be Daniel Craig. You? I mean, I've only, like I said, I've only really seen the <laughs> yeah. Daniel Craig movies, and I think he's fantastic as James Bond. Gone over it a lot, and um, just cool, kind of funny as well, and more like rough as well. Gets down and dirty in there as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's serious. Like Pierce is more the the playful, funny James Bond. But Daniel Craig is, I like the serious, the serious Bond more. That's why I'm picking Daniel Craig. Even though I have a lot of nostalgia for Pierce, Daniel Craig is like, he does it so well. He's a really good actor too. So that always helps, obviously. Great actor. That's a good question. It's a good question. Very good question. Thank you, Andy. The next question is from Kemi. Was, are they a secret agent if their name doesn't start with J? For the three that we've talked about. (laughs) Right, it's just like a, That's a funny, funny coincidence, right? Or is well, it when you when we, t- yeah, when we talked about doing a pod on this, and we're like, well, we're gonna do Bond, Born, and Wick, but like I didn't even realize their three first names start with J. So, that's funny. It's funny. It's a good, <laughs> good observation. I'm trying to think of another franchise. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Hunt like, and Mission Maxwell Impossible is, is not a J. Yeah, there you go. So. <laughs> So I'm saying, okay, so a lot of good ones do start with J, so maybe it's a requirement. Like Johnny English? Hey, there we go. That's cool. <laughs> All downhill after the first one, though. I didn't even see. I think they made two more. But no, Johnny English. I didn't see any of the. Yeah. OG is a the first, classic. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Great one. Johnny English. Boff. I like his psych. Boff. Very and underrated and appreciated character. <laughs> yeah i love johnny english yeah. um, good questions problems. i don't know i like mission impossible ethan hunt true, uh, true. dominic toretto if he's gonna become a secret agent at one point oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's where they're heading huh yeah. you would think i didn't see the trailer so i don't know but so the next question was from our uncle pat huge john wick okay avid hater fan <laughs> no he's not so his question was though not sensationalist spectacles a la bond and born and wick films depicting john le Carre's george smiley need to be considered as the very best in this genre your thoughts my thoughts, I'll just jump in first, I have a lot to say on this, would be non-existent because I have no idea who John Nakari's George Smiley is. So Matt, I will hand it off to you, effective immediately. So, uh, 
I have some thoughts on it. So like John Le Carré wrote a ton of books about like spies and especially like during the Cold War. He did like a, the man does a ton of research and I think he's still alive to this day and he's like almost 90 and he, I think he's still putting out books. But the man does his research and George Smiley is one of his main characters he created that pops up in throughout his books. And I've read some of his books and they're very good and comp but very complicated. So the man put John Le Carre puts a lot of like emphasis on like the story and there's a lot of characters. It's very true to life. I find his books not not like big, like next next to no action sequences. It's more what's like the conversations and like the information being revealed and like um like for like I'll give a couple of examples because I've seen a couple movies featuring George Smiley. So one of them is, uh, it's called Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with Gary Oldman playing George Smiley. And a, a great cast in the movie too, like Benedict Cumberbatch, Colin Firth. Um, the movie is very good, but it's all conversations and all like revelations and flashbacks and who said what then. And, and George, George Smiley in the movie is trying to figure out like who the, the, the rat was, like who the mole is, who like leaked out information to the bad guy. And he's doing it using very clever like um, uh, interrogation tactics and trying to like trick people into giving them information. So that, that's the kind of like the, the style of those movies is very suspenseful conversations and information being revealed. Um, like, do you understand a little what I'm saying? It's not like, yeah, for sure. Just a bunch of gunplay and firing. It's more like co cold war spy stuff where you don't want to get caught. You want to be under the radar, you know, assume a different identity, go undercover, a lot of going undercover, which is something James Bond like, doesn't do at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is, this is very like realism, realistic spy movies. Okay. The other one I just briefly, the other movie I watched was uh, the spy who came in from the cold. And I know George Smiley is a character in that movie, just not the main one. But that takes, it's a black and white movie and takes place during the Cold War. So you got that whole like uh, East and West Germany thing going on and like trying to figure out information from the, trying to basically spy on the communists, you know. So the historical so. realism is what yes, thank you. Pat yeah. is drawn mm -hmm. to and appreciates more than over-the-top action sequences that we see in like a specter for example with the helicopter comic or buildings collapsing and bond running from one to the other landing on a couch yeah. and walking away out of the rubble kind of thing so i didn't know that tinker taylor soldier yeah. spy was one of le Carré's chef d'oeuvres yeah. but mm -hmm. um okay that's interesting I, that is interesting to me as well like i still appreciate those kind of movies the um like uh conversation based good acting intrigue suspense mm -hmm. and like the um like you said get in get out without being seen like that spy it, it, spying at its yeah. core right is doing your job black ops without knowing without yeah. people knowing that you're there so it is interesting for it, sure it, honestly it feels like it, it's pretend watching a born movie eric with no action mm -hmm. Like, no fight scenes. It's the exact same thing. It's, like, gathering information and getting in. That's what it is. That's what they are. But Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I've seen it twice now. It's actually, like, a really smart movie. Um, 
it's one of those you rewatch it, then you pick up on stuff you missed the first time because you know the twist at the end. So now you're watching that character and being like, okay, well, knowing this about him, how does he how does he react at the beginning of the movie? You know, gotcha. Because it's got twists and stuff. That's the movie. It's a lot of revelations and who did what at that time, who's involved with what. It's a little like you know in Captain America: Civil War, like the stuff Howard Stark was doing, where like during the Cold War and like finding out information and stuff. That has like a touch of like, that reminded me of that when I watched Captain America Civil War. Like that whole like, the the bad guy, like Zemo gathering that information to, tr to like upset Tony Stark. Like that's kind of what they're doing sometimes. Yeah, using information to like create actions of other people. Yeah. Get a reaction to. Well, that's interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, thanks a lot for the, the question, Pat, and the different perspective on the genre that we've mostly been praising while we do appreciate a good storyline and um, characters intrigue and some historical tie-ins we revere the action a lot in these movies i think it'd be fair yes to say especially in absolutely John Wick. there's a lot more to the genre than action clearly and it's up it, it's, it's a contentious um film genre in that what do you go into it wanting to see a lot of and there's clearly a lot out there for different enthusiasts of different facets of that genre which is what makes this genre so memorable and timeless and there will always be great special agent or spy movies down the road and there always will be because i find those movies reflect what's going on in the world now like if you look at the bad guys in all those movies they're like who the bad guys are kind of now, like before it was the Russians, you know, now it's sometimes it was like terrorists. Now it's a lot of terrorists. Like it, it's a reflections of our time, actually. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're always going to be movies like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And they have to have a lot of action because that's what brings people to the seats. Like people are not flocking to see a John le Carre spy movie because you have to have an attention span to watch those movies and most people at the theater don't want to have that. Yeah. Even me, I'm guilty of that. Like, I don't. I want something stupid to watch. Just I don't care. Crush that popcorn and not have it affect your ability to yeah. hear dialogue. That's crucial to your understanding. Exactly. Of the movie, right? so. Exactly. That's pretty funny. But I'm not even joking. Tenant, it's loud. You can't understand everything. No, I've heard that. Like the sound mixing was criticized a little oh. bit. Where the maybe the yeah. score made it so that you couldn't really it was overpowering the dialogue which is not mm -hmm. optimal at mm -hmm. all no it's like when you're in a nightclub and you're trying to talk over the loud music you just have to like like it's hard to hear yeah that's, that's what it felt like comparable. the score is overpowering well yeah i think we did a good job uh, covering the the genre so um yeah multifaceted look at it action versus historical accuracy and uh, intrigue and did you have any final notes or comments on uh, stuff you're looking forward to? I guess there's no time to die, John Wick 4. Anything else on the horizon for this genre? No, uh, just those two that come to mind. But, like, I, I don't like looking too far ahead. And when one pops up, I'm probably going to go see it because I'm a big fan of that genre. So, yeah, hopefully some more good stuff coming to the theater soon. I need to see Tenet, which we've talked about a lot in this episode that really wasn't about Tenet, but... It's the movie to talk about right now, so we'll get a we'll get a pod going on that. Maybe some Nolan. Movie. I was thinking the same thing. Nolan podcast with Tenet coming soon. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. It was a great chat. Uh, good back and forths there and good analysis. Matt, final words for the audience? Yeah, I had a blast actually talking about these movies. It was a lot. I didn't know how much I would have to say on them, but like I I, I felt like I, I said what I had to say, and I'm happy with that. And I hope everyone enjoyed listening. And everyone should give the movies we talked about a chance because they're staples in that genre. Oh, and I hope everyone's staying safe out there also. Yes, sir. Yeah, same here. I feel like the, the Bond movies are the most famous of the three trilogies we've talked about, or series we've talked about. Definitely throw on the Bourne Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum movies, so the first three. Dismiss the fourth and fifth, as I did. So, and then John Wick, of course, are the most recent ones. And, um, yeah, great action sequences and all of those. So definitely recommend those. Hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every other Monday. Stay safe, everybody. Love you all. Peace. Don't read books that are bad.